Hello, welcome to Boss Women, a podcast about women, comedy and business. My name's Katie and this is my mum, Karen. <laughs> How's your week been so far, Mum? What you been up to? The usual stresses and strains of business. Well, wow, it's only two weeks. Two weeks to go. That's right. So it's getting a bit stressful, isn't it? Rehearsals have started. I'm looking forward to Mamma Mia. The, mi- <laughs> the second, whatever. Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Yeah, number or two. Or something, whatever it's called. So is that what you're doing during August? You'll just pop out to that? No, no. Have to see it before we start, just so I get it out the way. Okay, okay. Take our grand, our grandchild, our grandchild, <laughs> my granddaughter, my niece. Yes. What have you been up to over the weekend <laughs> that I missed? Yes, I know you did miss it. Uh, I was at Latitude Festival. Uh, I went to Latitude Festival with my new pal Maisie Adam and uh, Ryan Taylor. Lovely the, pal. Lovely pal. And Ryan Taylor from the Pleasants uh, was having Head of comedy with. programming at the Pleasants. Yes, he would, yeah. Yeah, so I camped with them and then, well, we went to see lots of comedy, some spoken wordy stuff and podcast recordings, and then went to see some music. Your favourite podcast recording, which is? Which is Table Manners by Jessie Ware, which, I, which is Jessie Ware and a mum. Might have been a bit of inspiration for this uh, podcast. But you uh, loved her. I adore Jessie yeah. Ware. She's amazing. She's just an amazing singer and she's super cool and real and normal and, and awesome. what's her mum like and her mum's just same just as mental as you basically well, I thought you were going to say just as cool as you oh mom. sorry yeah that's what I meant that's what I meant <laughs> you see any good comics then yeah apart from Maisie Adams saw loads yeah Maisie did two gigs which is amazing uh Dylan Moran was on, DOD was on, Burn Brady. The music that we saw, uh, saw Solange, Beyonce's sister. All right. He was awesome. Jessie Ware was incredible. I'm obsessed with her. And Alt J was on on the Sunday, so. Who? Alt J. Okay, right over my head there. <laughs> do you know them, Mum? No, I don't think you'd no. like them. Did you do any networking? Did you do any business? I, I tried to. I just said hi to people that I know. <laughs> really hard no I did I met one agent that I hadn't met before met Chris Quayle in person met Corey Maguire as well yeah, oh, yeah. I hadn't met before yeah so I met a couple of people and then everyone else I knew so it was lovely really lovely there was there's so many people there that I knew I didn't realise yes alright rub it all in. of your friends were there and I was <laughs> hanging out with them um, no Jeanette was sending her love and wished that you were there as was Steph Harris moving on <laughs> This week, I'd like to ask you um, about managing staff. So, for the past couple of weeks, it's been the most stressful. Because I wasn't there. No, 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 not because you weren't there. Just because it's the first time that I'm managing the entire team on my own. I get not on my own, you're helping, obviously. But it's the first time that I'm managing them all on my own. And <clears throat> just managing different people's personalities and managing real life you know you had like stuff happens in people's real lives which means that you know you have job suffers you have to accommodate stuff that happens in real life which is totally obviously that's great but I find it very very stressful managing all of those different kind of factors that you can't control so my question well I have a few questions for you this week is about how to cope with differing personalities that you work with 
or have worked with in the past? I do think it's a very difficult question because there are some people that are just natural people managers, like Kath Mainland, who yeah. I want as a guest soon yeah. when she's over. She was uh, the CEO of The Fringe before Shona McCarthy, mm-hmm. and she is now the CEO of the Melbourne International Festival. And she can manage people. She's uh, a diplomat. She encourages people. I mean, it's how I would love to be. I, unfortunately, especially in the past, I get great loyalty from staff Uh for some reason. Do you really not know what what that reason is? Because you've got incredible loyalty. You've got friends for life that have worked for you. And although in the past you might have been difficult they still stood by you and I, I think I know why it is but do you oh, do you I'm honestly you not know. you must tell me <laughs> well, um, do you not do you honestly not know well you're going to tell me in a minute I'll just tell you what I think mm. I've worked with people and I've been very pushy and hard how I want things to be mm-hmm. and perhaps I don't know but I think I've helped them become Maybe not better people, but harder working people and and have an ethos of how to work. I remember one young lady in particular. So she was very young and came and worked for me and I was impossible. In this mm-hmm. moment in time, just before the fringe is starting, everybody's panicking, everybody's trying to get everything sure. together. And halfway through the festival, she walked out and never came back. Really? She had had enough of me, and I understand. Well, I didn't understand at the time. Yeah. But what was her job? What was she doing? Um, for you? She was admin and working in the office with us, mm-hmm. just setting everything up. Yeah. And she wrote me a long, long letter, apologising and saying how she understood. Really? And it's very funny. Her mother didn't know that she'd done that, and I saw her mother at. Oh, Kath Mainland's leaving do actually. (laughs) And uh, I told her that I've remembered, I I felt terrible that I'd been so awful to this, Mm -hmm. to her daughter. And, um, but she had the good grace and spirit to write to me and thank me for the time she'd had working with me and that she'd learnt a lot. Yeah. Which was amazing. Considering she had, well, in that moment that she decided to leave, she'd she'd thought that it was so bad that she couldn't carry on. That's right. Mm. And there was a lot of that in my younger days. Really? When I was creating the Gilded Balloon, there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of um, girls and boys running to the bathroom, uh, to the to the toilet, crying. And God, this worries me that I'm um, not having enough of an impact on people. And I no, know I don't, because I don't want... times have changed. Yeah. Uh, work conditions are not as hard... As you were, um, you but know. you still haven't answered my question about why you think you've gained these people that have stuck by you your entire life. You know, you've you've become lifelong friends with these people, even though you were a tyrant, as you've been known for. Well, I think I brought a lot of good people together, and they enjoyed working together. Yeah, but I also think that it, you kind of touched on it earlier that it's because you believed in people. You you have a tendency or you have a reputation of putting people into positions that aren't quite ready for them maybe yet you yeah know, that's a bit true. too young not ex- doesn't have any experience to back them up but you can tell that they are capable of doing that job and i think that has con- continued throughout 
go to Blue Niven when I'm looking for people and stuff, but you do have a knack of finding people and knowing that they can do a job and putting them into it too early and then they grow and develop and, and or they luck up or they fuck up, but a lot of the time they've succeeded and, you know, surpa surpassed even what they thought they could achieve. And I think that's why they look up to you or have respect for you because you put them in that position. Well, I made, I made working for me tough. You did, yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, and they got their voice heard and they mm -hmm. went on, some of them have gone on to some great jobs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, in television or theatre or... Yeah, but you did, right. you gave them that opportunity, whereas they might have not, you know, it might have taken them longer to get to that point or whatever. Well, I suppose I got them to believe in themselves and, mm -hmm. and gave them the challenge to get on with it. And mm -hmm. I would say get on with it. Funnily yeah. enough, Colin Lennox, who now... Oh, I love Colin Lennox. Executive producer of everything that Alan Titchmarsh does <laughs> on television. <laughs> he is hilarious. He, yeah. he produced with me um, Late in Live Guide to Comedy that mm -hmm. we did on um, BBC Scotland. Um, and he, he actually has done everything himself. Yeah. Having said that, he did work for me from the age of about... 18 or 19 mm -hmm. um, as a waiter first at the counting house was he a waiter? he was really? and he had hair that just came right across his his eye and I'd say will you get that hair out your face <laughs> and uh, he's the only member of my staff that actually heckled Fred Macaulay while he was meant to be working really? <laughs> he was he was wait, he was a, doing he was a waiter and he's heckling them oh my at. god he uh and I think if I remember I mean, I can, rightly, I totally imagine Colin doing that. Obviously, if I remember rightly, the the punchline was taupe, <laughs> as in beige, the colour taupe. Yeah, I might be wrong, but uh, Colin can phone in and tell. Yeah, it. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, Colin. Oh God, the ups and downs I had with that guy. Well, but I remember. He, I mean, he was almost a babysitter for me. Like I adored him, and he he used to take me around to his flat. Whether it was a staff flat or what it was, but he would take me around to his flat and I remember gold leafing an egg or something mad, like some mad camp like activity that he'd come up with for us. But Colin then went into my press office and ran the press office. An old friend of his that he went to college with was Elaine Davidson, mm -hmm. who married Dylan Moran. Oh, yeah. I didn't realise it was through Colin that he knew. Yeah, they, oh, were, at, they were at college together. And um, uh, Elaine was in his team. Mm -hmm. I remember when we moved into the ground floor and we we had this terrible route over it, bringing a desk down. The really? <laughs> I think we broke the desk or something. And he came and got a big box file and threw it on my desk. He said, I've had enough and walked out. The number of walkouts I'd have, and then they'd come back. I've been told about Sinead Shields' uh, storm off many times when I've been working for her. What, did she tell you about it? Yeah, she told me about it because she was uh, managing the Peppermint Lounge, and uh, the owner of the Peppermint Lounge wasn't happy about something for some reason, and he held her up against the wall by her neck. And she came in and you were having a meeting with Julie and she was crying and crying and she stormed into your office and was like, this has happened to me. Ah. And you were like, get the fuck out of my office and told her because you were in the middle of the meeting or whatever and didn't, couldn't hear what she was saying or whatever. And Sinead just walked out and grabbed a, a lever arch file 
and threw it at you and stormed off. Oh, maybe it was her that threw it and yeah. not Paula. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. And then, uh, like, two days, like, she did what didn't come she in for a day. She disappeared for two days, yeah. that's right. And then you went over and were like, come out for a line. And she was like, mm, all right then. But actually, Sinead ended up um, working with Paddy Cuthbert, who was also worked for me uh, in press, and they started their own PR agency, mm-hmm. and they did really, really well. Um, and then she went off and... Um, Started or well, she employed you, didn't she? What's yeah. and it was she runs training courses basically, training weeks for big corporate agencies basically. So she's in she's Cap Gemini, yeah, but she also works for other agencies. But uh-huh. she basically comes in and manages the team of people that make a training event happen. And you ended up doing a year doing or it. two working for her, yeah, you? yeah. And I, I mean, I was Sinead was also one of the people that I grew up with and used to babysit me and. But that's just such happy memories for me because I was just around all these incredible people. And you're right. And that's what I guess I'm trying to get at is the camaraderie between staff. How do you make that? Because I'm constantly, I'm trying to to create this support network between the managers and the management staff so that they all feel like they can, you know, they can The staff talk to you each have now stuff. are really good mates, all of them. Yeah, but I want to... Yeah, I just don't want there to be because it's it's a really stressful time and there can be friction. So it's about but trying life's to. Life's a bit about friction. I know, but I mean, how much did you get involved in making sure that everyone was happy, or did you put much effort into that, or did you just employ people that all got on because they were all there for the same purpose? No, of course I looked at the people who weren't happy, and mm-hmm. and sometimes I probably was harder on the stronger people like Colin oh, or shit, yeah. yeah. Were you good at giving praise when praise was due? No, that's my... was <laughs> one of my weaknesses. But what about... Because um, what I find difficult as well is being too matey with all the staff. I find it really difficult this year, as I say, taking on the responsibility of all the staff. I am mates with all of them, and sometimes you have to create boundaries because there has to be boundaries because you ultimately pay them and they you know, deserve to respect you and you deserve to respect and them. And that's easier. But how do you, yeah, how do you not be mates with everyone or were you quite, I mean, I imagine back in the 90s you were mates with everyone. Yeah. And it's easier during the year than it is mm-hmm. during the festival. And I know that I always felt, I always isolated myself from people, from my staff. During the festival? Yeah. And it was very lonely. Was that Did that mean that you gravitated toward artists more and producers and agents? Probably, or, yeah. Or did you just isolate yourself from everyone? No, I. I just remember, and you know, I still do actually mm-hmm. um, get quite lonely because um, it's not appropriate to get pissed with. Yeah, I feel. I mean, I. I totally recognise that happening to me now as well. I just. It's really hard. And not that all the staff bitch or anything, but obviously the staff says things that they're, you know, they're grumpy about something at work or whatever. And I find that really difficult to listen to and they don't mean to do it and it's completely natural. But I do find myself more and more being like, okay, I need to separate myself from this otherwise. And that's why I've been gravitating more towards agents and artists, basically. But also... We work with an awful lot of strong people mm. and talented people yeah. and quite a lot of strong women. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, they love to try and tell you how to run your business and that's fine to take to let them tell you mm-hmm. but it's us that run the business not them yeah and it's also exhausting when you hear five different people tell you how uh-huh, to do but, something but my feeling about that is if you can do it any better off you go yeah. off you go and do I it. just find it quite hard and that's why we have an advisory board and why yeah um, people like Ian McFadden who is so wonderful yeah I think for us it is really important for us to treat the staff and like this weekend you're doing your family barbecue for all the staff for all the ven- the management staff at the venues which and then, I've been doing for how many years now yeah for as long as I can remember and then you do a big management dinner afterwards so obviously do do these things to treat the staff um I was just going to go back to the Cowgate days when I had two wonderful bar staff that the first girl who ran the the bar was Reese Darby's girlfriend who she, who's now he's married yeah she's married to him and she brought Flight of the Concords to us and they were with us for four years um yeah before they went and conquered the world yes um and uh then she brought another they were all New Zealand another New Zealand mm-hmm. guy and uh, they were running the bar and it ended up that all the assembly techies and everything they all used to go and have lock-ins yeah, yeah. at the Gilded Saloon yeah. and they wouldn't tell me anything about it you know yeah. was that Richard? Richard was around but he wasn't he the wasn't the one manager. that she brought over all right yeah, he, he joined them all. We had a big New Zealand contingent back Well, in talking about loyalty. Richard Carrington has been with me 20 years now. I know, this is his 20th <laughs> fringe, isn't it? I know. And Which he is absolutely mental. He started in 99 or something, didn't he? 98. In, or in the Cowgate. He's he, a barman, no? Do you oh, know, I shit, don't know. She's got no idea. <laughs> I'll have to ask him. I'll ask him when he arrives on Friday, yeah. But he was... So um, pale, he was like a walking zombie. <laughs> I have no idea how he managed to survive. Really? 20 years coming to us. Because he went through so many phases. <laughs> but he's a fabulous guy. He's great. He's now got a big comedy agency in New, New Zealand, Zealand. And he still comes. He's yeah. bringing one of his acts as well. But he absolutely adores you. And that's Yeah, and I absolutely adore him. <laughs> yeah. Which is um, and I thought he was going to stop a couple of years ago when the agency started doing so well. Yeah, because it's doing really well, yeah. yeah. Um, but he's decided to keep coming, which is well, great. Well, I'm going to do everything in my power to keep him coming. Yes, I'm sure he will. <laughs> Mick Bateman. He worked for me in the late 80s and then came back 10 years later. Did he? And became general manager. What did he do in the 80s? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> He just said, I loved working for you, so I came back. Really? That's yeah, it. I remember him as general manager. remember yeah. him very well. And actually, the guy who became the... In fact, there's more than one. There's loads of the technical team in Melbourne mm. came over and worked for me for many, you know, yeah. many different ones. Mm-hmm. I want to know if anyone famous worked for you. Oh, famous. Or well-known or interesting people or people that went on to interesting things or... Because honestly, when I when we go anywhere together, work related, if there's about a hundred people that come up to us and be like, "Oh, I used to work for your mum. Used to work for Gilda Bloom. Oh, I used to work there." <laughs> and you're like, "Uh, really?" Most people you know, but some people you're like, "Ooh, not sure." 
Well, it, there is. It's been so many, so many, so many exactly. over the years. Um, Stodge, who was our technical manager, he met Linda Catalano. Yeah. Who we're going to interview? Yes, Linda Catalano. Um, since after meeting Stodge, she got involved with Briefs and Hot Brown Honey. She now runs a production company called Briefs Factory, which produce Briefs and Hot Brown Honey, amongst other things. And uh, she actually is a performer as well as mm-hmm. uh, a producer. And she met Stodge at the Guild Balloon. And Stodge was your production manager. Yeah. And they both went back to Australia together and Stodge is still there. Yeah, the, in, they split uh, up. in the middle of nowhere. He's the in Albury. Doing the flea. He's the, te- he's the technical manager for the Fruit Fly Circus. And he's still doing it. And then Russ and Lauren, they were amazing. Yeah. Lauren's an American girl and uh, Russ is Australian and they got together and they worked for us for years. That's a classic case of... Was it, did they get together through the Gilda Blue? No, they had, they had oh, met, they met in Australia. Oh, right, okay. But they had... Um, a good time. Yeah. <laughs> and we went to their wedding in North Carolina. Hendersonville. Yeah, yeah, Hendersonville. It yeah. was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, uh, and I've mentioned before Steph and Julie Harris, the two sisters that yeah. work for us. And I saw Steph at Latitude at the weekend. Yeah, and she is a big producer on television. Yeah, doing very well. Embarrassing Bodies is a is a big it's one. One of the big ones. Yeah, and Julie was set designer of The Office. And many other things. Reggie Perrin. America, no, not America's Next Top Model. Britain's, Britain's Next Top, Top Model, yeah. yeah. Um, Marlena Zwickler, who... <gasps> Marlena worked for you? Yes. Did Mar- she? I didn't know that. Yeah, Marlena um, was at, came to Edinburgh in the late 80s and came and worked in my press office. Just to explain who Marlene is, why I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> MZA. Um, she looks after Jim Owen. Uh, she's now an agent. Daniel Sloss. Mark Lots of Nelson. big people, yeah. Lots of great acts. Yeah. Kai Humphreys. Mm-hmm. And so she looks after... But um, she worked in the press office and... Uh, I have to say, she stayed here at my house. What? Did she? Yeah, for a couple of weeks. What are you like? Way back in the day. Um, And she's gone on to do very well. What about any more well-known faces? Oh, sorry. Uh, (laughs) Is there anyone that... Craig Hill. Well, I was going to say comedians that have worked for you. Craig Hill, he actually worked at the box office. And he kind of got into comedy because he was at the Gilda Balloon. You know, he can't went, oh, imagine like, him at the box office. Oh, he was great. He was a bit like Daniel, who works for us. You know, very mm-hmm. camp and very oh, come loud on. and yeah. He was lovely. Michael Redmond used to do my books. Michael Redmond from he was in Father, Father Ted. Ted. Yeah, <laughs> he used he, to do your books. He used to be our accountant. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. He was great. Still does is. He, does he have a degree in accountancy? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> I um, no idea. And Chris Addison, Chris Addison, who's mm-hmm. uh, a very good stand-up with Avalon, he uh, worked in the box office as well, I think. Really? Yeah. Very um, good salesmen, these comedians, apparently. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make you feel weird, talking about all the staff that have been and gone? 
No, not at all. I'm very proud of them all. Good. Good. I think they've done great. Do you have any tips on managing uh, conflict when there's issues and people aren't happy? How do you? Because that's one of the worst things that I am. I'm terrible managing a difficult situation. I bury my head in the sand. Bury? Bury my head in the sand. You have to just take charge, I think. Mm -hmm. It's the best thing. I mean, I think... uh, I never meant... Did I mention Mick Bateman? Yeah. (laughs) Fucking hell. Well, I just want to tell you... You didn't tell us a story about Mick Bateman, though. No, but the number of times that he walked out. Yeah. But then... I mean, as I've mentioned a few times, quite a lot of them walked out and Mm. were exasperated by me. Yeah. But then they would come back. Mick Bateman, one of Mick Bateman's claim to fame is that he's in Russell Brand's book. There's a letter, a scan of a letter in Russell Brand's book. Which I told him to write. Yeah, that says, please don't get children to fly for your show. That's right. Signed Mick Bateman (laughs) with a gilded balloon header on it. Because when he was... when. uh, Russell Brand was a bit bit like Fagan mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> obviously well or the Pied Piper then all these little kids would you know these little urchins mm-hmm. that had um, you know weren't at school did he give them know. any pocket money for this service no they pickpocketed all the cues <laughs> did they actually yes. oh, for fuck's so sake. that's why and, and um, audiences started complaining and we said look you have to stop. You're going to have to stop, you know. Um, so he was vegan. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he taught them how to pickpocket, but... Yeah. But, you know, there was... It was it was tough times, but not I quite... Mean, in, have you ever had an experience of having to deal with two people that just do not get on? And how did you yeah. manage that? Well, you either move them to different positions... Really? So they don't have to work together, or decide why are they not working alongside each other mm-hmm. why can't they yeah and if they can't one of them has to go mm-hmm. well fine moving on to that is it not horrendous to fire somebody uh-huh. I've, never, I've never had to do it yet yeah and you will i fired someone <laughs> good i fired someone because they were um selling cocaine to acts really this is in the cocaine days no, it wasn't. It was in TV at days, actually. Um, and they were furious at me because they went, oh, come on, they all do it. I said, no, they don't all do it. Mm-hmm. And also I said, and actually... Selling got, it and dealing it is... Yeah, but you've got caught, story. you know? Yeah. And in the Cowgate, obviously, the whole drug thing was really rife. Mm-hmm. Um, funny enough, I didn't see a lot of it because I was... I didn't well, take... Well, they obviously... I mean, that's that's the thing about being a boss, isn't it? They were quite respectful to me. I mm-hmm. used to go into the dressing room at Leighton Live and say, this is not a drug shop. <laughs> <laughs> but, of course, they all enjoyed that because it was the only place where they could all gather together and have a good time yeah. and, and, you know, do the things they do, drink together and get mm-hmm. stoned together or whatever. Yeah. But now it's so big, the festival, that... You know, yeah. most of them do it in their homes because it's <laughs> illegal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and it was always illegal, but they got round it in those days. Yeah, yeah, it's all just grown so much bigger. I mean, tell me about firing people. How do you do it? I mean, do well, you have any advice on managing staff or managing people or managing conflict or managing 
Or how do you deal with it? Do you find it stressful? Of course, and I don't want to upset people or ruin their lives. Yeah. Or, I, I mean, I have not fired a lot of people, mm. but if the business is suffering because of one or two people, then they have to go. And the thing that I've always thought that in the festival, because it's such a short-term contract, yeah. if they do misbehave or do something, you know, I mean, you do. You have to go through the usual one warning, then a yeah. This is your last warning, and then something in writing, or you know, because yeah. I mean, that's what I find difficult is that it's. I mean, not that I want to fire anyone yet, but because it is such a short contract, can everyone not just make do until the end, and then it's. But because surely, well, not if the business suffers, yeah, but surely firing somebody halfway through has a massive impact on load. You know, the, the entire team. Of course, team. it does. But there is always so many people around mm. that want jobs step in or yeah so it really is trying your best to choose the right people in the first place yeah and I think we've got better and better at that mm -hmm. but I think what yeah. I've learned more and more is that people need I mean and it's changed a lot as you say it cha it's changed a lot since you were doing it but the team needs structure they need they, they need so much structure now and I try and try and Make sure everyone's clear on their roles and how the how the, where everyone's aligned and respectful and work harder and blah blah blah. If you give them, if you, it's all about give and take, isn't it? You know, and you pick the ones that you think have something special. Yeah. Yeah, and I think they're. I think the team of you know they've all got something special about them, and I'm really excited about this year. I think it's an incredible team, and there's an incredible energy about them. But I'm trying to foster that and continue that I mean which things, I find con constantly stressful and I'm constantly on edge like I don't want anything to fall out of place things I've, are going to go wrong they always yeah, do mom. things are always going to go wrong but actually we don't have to completely fall apart because of it mm -hmm. because the structure is there mm -hmm. so there will be people that are sleep in for example or yeah. you know and or miss something or Make a mistake or whatever, but or shag the techie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. So we end there. <laughs> um, not that I've ever shagged a techie. By how the are way. you? Uh, let's just end. Have you? <laughs> no. Mother. Oh, mother. Oh. Why um, not? What's wrong with a techie? <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Maybe this is my year, mum. <laughs> um, have you? No. <laughs> oh, I was only joking. <laughs>